now, we will continue our study uh, foundations of the faith, particularly about the uh, future, and talk some more about the tribulation period of time uh, to remind you uh, what has transpired. The Lord had a very lively conversation with Jewish religious leaders. And uh, during the conversation, he told them in advance of the occurrence that Jerusalem and its temple would be burned to the ground, destroyed. His followers, the disciples, were intrigued about it all. And in Matthew 24, ask him a question, Lord, when will the end of the age be? Because they knew based on uh, what their Jewish prophets had told them that when this happens, Jerusalem uh, burned to the ground, the temple destroyed. It begins the end times. And so they wanted more specific chronology about it. When will this be? And so the Lord uh, takes the opportunity from the Mount of Olives on which he is seated, which teachers did in that day. Students and listeners would stand and gather around a teacher who was seated. He sat on the Mount of Olives and taught them about the end times in Matthew 24 and 25, and it's called the Olivet Discourse. And he essentially gave them, began to give them, signs, characteristics of a period of time in the future known as the Tribulation. Daniel spoke about it, as did many Old Testament prophets, a period consisting of great global tribulation, seven-year period, uh, culminating with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first indicator of the tribulation period that the Lord gave them, we discussed last week, it's deception, which, though we have always had it, will take place on a much wider scale uh, during the time of tribulation. A and now, as we go further into the Olivet Discourse, you'll see that the Lord instructs them even more specifically about this very trying time of tribulation, and he uh, gives them even more specific characteristics. So let's pick up where we left off. We're now in Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, which says, You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. Now, there have always been wars, only for a brief period of time in human history has the world not known war. However, during the tribulation, uh, the kind of conflict will increase in intensity and will escalate to levels the likes of which the world has not yet ever seen. It will be worldwide warfare on an unprecedented scale. Now, I know that Matthew 24 is speaking of the Great Tribulation because of its parallel in Revelation chapter 6, which clearly talks 
marks of the tribulation. So here, for instance, is Revelation chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And you can see how closely Revelation corresponds to what the Lord is teaching in Matthew 24. And so this tells us for certain he's speaking in Matthew 24 of events in the distant future, namely the very ones which the Apostle John also tells us about in the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Here's what John says. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come, and another, a a red horse, went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. Uh, so this one is the second horseman of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. This one ushers in additional judgment because the tribulation is a time of the outpouring of God's wrath upon an unbelieving world. And according to both Matthew 24, now Revelation 6, the false peace established by the Antichrist at the beginning of the tribulation period is taken from the earth and people begin to kill one another. You see, that's what happens when man is left to himself. One Wednesday night, whenever we get there, we'll talk about the one world religion which will exist during the tribulation period. And I tell you, its primary characteristic is that it is humanistic. It plays to the merits of humankind. But I tell you, a humankind left to himself will destroy himself. And so in this day, God, in this second seal, judgment. The seal judgments are a series of judgments. In the second seal judgment, uh, God will remove restraint from the earth uh, with the result that there will be intense war, the likes of which the world has never seen. And when God unleashes this judgment on the earth, men will slay one another. And this will be one of the additional signs of the tribulation period. And what will be the result of this warfare? We'll back to Matthew 24, verse 7. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. You see, war and famine often go together. So too does earthquake and famine. Now we're seeing these things already, but I tell you what we're seeing now will pale in comparison to the intensity and rapidity of these things during the time of tribulation to come. Now this too, in a parallel way, is described in Revelation chapter 6 verse 5. When he broke, now, the third seal judgment, 
By the way, only the Lord Jesus is equipped to do so. I heard, says John, the third living creature saying, Come. I looked and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. That's the third horseman of the apocalypse. Now in Revelation 6, 6, and I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not damage the oil and the wine. So in that day of great tribulation, famine, food will be measured out as if in scales. It will be rationed because it will be in short supply and expensive. A quart of wheat will cost a denarius. A quart of wheat is just a little more than what an average person requires for their daily food. Three quarts of barley would cost a denarius, and that would be essentially equivalent to the food required by an average family. So the prices for basic food items during the time of tribulation will be extraordinarily high. Do you find that far-fetched? No. Can you see the precursors of all of this already? Now, a denarius was the equivalent of a man's wage for one day. In other words, what a person then will earn will go entirely for food. There will be nothing left after this. And there won't be enough food to go around. Yet the verse says, do not damage the oil and the wine. What does that mean? Well, folks, oil and wine are luxuries of the rich. And so it seems that though the necessities of the poor and middle class will be in horribly short supply during the time of great tribulation, there will be a horrific economic in equity in the distribution of goods because the elite rich people will still have their oil and wine. Does that sound far-fetched? I don't think it does. None of this does. And so this is what's going to happen. Now, Revelation 6, 7, and 8 tells us more. When the Lamb broke, now, the fourth seal. See, these are judgments unleashed on the earth during the time of tribulation. Uh, when he broke the fourth seal, that's the Lord Jesus, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, I looked, says John, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death, that's the fourth horseman of the apocalypse. And Hades was following with him. This rider was named Death. And he was riding now on an ashen horse. There's an interesting Greek word for the English word ashen. It's the word chloros. What does that sound like? Yeah, like Clorox or chlorine, which is a kind of a yellowish green, like the color of decay and death. 
That's the judgment unleashed. And then Revelation chapter 6 verse 8 furthermore says, authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth. Does anyone happen to know what the population of the world is now? I don't. Six, six billion? Something like that? So if you have nothing to do, um, do the math. What is one-fourth of six billion? Anyone know this? One and a half billion? So folks, that's a lot of people, notice, who will perish. Authority was given to them over a fourth, if, it's, uh, if the numbers remain the same, uh, uh, that's a million, a billion and a half people, to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. One-fourth of the population of the world will perish. Uh, a number of these will die of starvation, you see. Uh, so, folks, these are the seal judgments. But there are others. There's a second set of judgments known as the trumpet judgments, which follow these. And so we can read about it in Revelation chapter 8, verse 6. Notice, and the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. And in verse 7, the first sounded, and there came hail and fire mixed with blood. That sounds a little bit like one of the plagues which befell the land of Egypt, remember? Way back in Exodus. Oh, but this is much more severe. Notice this time uh, the hail and fire is mixed with blood. And they were thrown to the earth and a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. One-third of the earth's vegetation and crops and trees will be destroyed. And so you can see, surely, this will lead to severe famine. And then it says in Revelation chapter 8, verse 8, the second angel sounded, again, this is the second trumpet judgment, and something like a great mountain, not a great mountain, something like a great mountain. It can't even be described in words with which we are familiar. So John's doing the best he could to give us a description, something like a great mountain, burning with fire. Is it a meteor falling from the sky? I don't know. It was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. What ha is it a falling meteor, and in its course to the earth, is there some kind of chemical change that it experiences so that when it makes contact with the earth, it poisons it? I, I have no idea. All I know is that it will be a time of upheaval and cataclysm, the likes of which we have never, ever seen. This, too, is reminiscent of one of the plagues to befall the land of Egypt, but as you can see, the devastation of it all is far greater. Then Revelation chapter 8, verse 9, And a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. And so you can see, food can't even be moved from place to place. And in Revelation chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven. 
uh, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. The name of the star is called Wormwood. That's an Old Testament symbol of bitterness and sorrow. And the third of the waters became wormwood. And many men died from the waters because they were made, the waters were made bitter. One third of the river, rivers and fresh waters become bitter or poisonous, causing, it's an ecological disaster, the likes of which the world has never known. We're hearing so much about going green and saving Mother Earth and being environmentally conscious and all the rest. But I have to tell you, even though some of that concern is legitimate, I suppose it's not going to save the Earth because the real pollution is on the inside. You see, in those days, the real pollution is in the hearts of men and women who refuse to respond to the grace of God. And I have to tell you, when anyone refuses to respond to the grace of God, could you please tell me what's left but the judgment of God? If it's the grace of God that doesn't melt one's heart and usher them into the kingdom, confessing sins and turning to God, if it's not the grace of God which changes a person's life and converts that person's soul, then I tell you the only option is the wrath of God. And we say how harsh it is, and that's just because we are acquainted and comfortable with sin, but a holy God is repulsed by it. I tell you, he can't be in its presence we negotiate sin and compromise and toy with it and buddy up to it but God is repulsed by it he's unapproachably holy and until the holiness of Christ is put on our side of the ledger until it is imputed to our account the only other option is the judgment and wrath of an intensely Uh, irreversibly holy God. And so that's what's happening during this time of tribulation. It's a time of the outpouring of God's wrath on the earth. And furthermore, it says in Revelation 8.12, the fourth angel sounded. This is the fourth trumpet judgment. And a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck so that a third of them would be darkened and the day would not shine for a third of it and the night in the same way. In other words, the whole cycle of day and night is going to change. Think about it. The seasons are going to change. Crops are not going to grow. There will be worldwide chaos. You know, on the fourth day, we read in the Genesis creation account, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And interestingly, now corresponding to the fourth trumpet judgment, the lights will be diminished by one-third. Then Revelation 8.13 says, Then I looked, and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven and saying with a loud voice, Woe! Woe, a a trinity of woes. Three times, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Twelve times 
in the book of Revelation, you will see that very significant phrase, those who dwell on the earth. It means much more than those who merely live on the earth. It means those who live for the earth. Do you? No. If you're a Christian, your citizenship is in heaven. You are a sojourner here on earth. Your investment is not here on the earth because you know it is passing. You're living in light of the very transitory nature of this earth and your life here. Your citizenship is in the eternal state, the new Jerusalem, and you want to bring as many people there with you now. That's the business you want to be about. You want to be living proof of this loving and saving deliverer so that people will dwell eternally with him as well. But these earth dwellers are the ones who made their investment in the earth and who denied any transcendent realities above the earth. There is no reality. There is no future. There is no second coming of Christ. There is no heaven. There is no hell. This is it. Get all the gusto. When you die, it's final. That's it. Not true. And so these earth dwellers are the ones, you see, who are here warned because this holy God who is intensely repulsed by sin and transgression is also intensely merciful. And even here in the midst of the outpouring of his wrath, he pauses to give a threefold warning to earth dwellers before the full uh, overflow of the trumpet judgments upon them. And so those who dwell on the earth, even during the tribulation, will be warned. Now back to the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, now verse 8. But all these things, the things the Lord alluded to in Matthew 24, and the things which John, uh, more precisely and in a more elongated way, uh, proclaimed to us in Revelation. All these things the Lord says back from the Mount of Olives to his disciples who asked them, tell us about the end. He said, yeah, all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Well, he use a, uses a metaphor with which they, we, are very familiar. Birth. A woman is in labor. She's carrying life within her. Things start out rather slowly. And then they pick up. Contractions come to be closer together, stronger. They increase in rapidity and intensity. And then the child is Earth is born. The labor pains are the beginning, not the end. And so the Lord is saying, look, you have a period of time between two events, his first coming and his second coming. They want to know when will the end of this age. This age is the time between the two advents of Christ. The time between his first coming and his second coming. They want to know when will this reality, when will this 
age give way to the new age. That is to say, you coming again to establish your kingdom on earth as Messiah before whom every knee shall bow. When will it happen? What will be the signs? And the Lord is saying there are all of these horrific things and he's given them some already. He spoke about deception and war and rumors of war and he spoke about famine and earthquakes and he spoke about changes of an atmospheric kind and all of this cataclysm and they're saying surely when that happens it's the end of the age and he said oh no all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs and folks that's why I say it has not yet happened some say it already took place way back in AD 70 oh no these things haven't happened to this extent yet And so just as a lady starts out her labor rather gradually and everything is okay and then, oh my goodness, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So too, the seal judgments, the first set, start out rather slowly and there's space in between. And then you get to the second set of judgments, the trumpet judgments, when they begin to pick up in intensity and the interval between them is narrowed down. And then you have this series of judgments known as the bowl judgments. And everything, every bit of God's wrath is poured out on the earth and so things increase with intensity and the Lord says when you see this this is the beginning of birth pangs and so the Lord says don't read too much into any one of these it's a package deal when you see all of these things happening and we didn't finish yet there's more in the Olivet Discourse which Lord willing we'll get to down the road a little bit when you see all of these things happen it's the beginning of birth pangs and just as a lady goes through this increasing a series of sometimes rather painful and uncomfortable experiences until a baby is birthed, so too the world will go through all of this and then there will be the birth, don't you see, of the new age. And so the tribulation period of seven years has a very distinctive and noticeable beginning. It's when this one we have now identified as the Antichrist signs a peace treaty with Israel, which he violates three and a half years into the period of time, desecrates the temple, requires worship himself, ushers in a period of one world government, one world economy, one world religion, and horrific anti-Semitic persecution of the Jews, and there's the outpouring of God's wrath on the earth, and nothing is going to end it, no effort by man, no peace efforts, no United Nations, no political party, no nothing is going to end it except the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of this is going to happen with increasing rapidity and intensity. And then the Lord Jesus will return. And unless he returned, it says at that time, nobody would be spared. But he's a savior. And he will come to save. And so the tribulation will begin with the signing of a false peace treaty. And seven years later, after this horrific 
time of labor, birth pangs. What will be birthed is the coming of the Prince of Peace, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the second coming. Scared? You ought to be if you don't belong to the Lord Jesus. His Father is holy. Violation of the Father's standards of holiness brings with it a penalty. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, the penalty was borne by Him for you. That means this is your future, this event, the rapture, the being caught up, the being taken away out of the earth because you're not an earth dweller. Your citizenship is in heaven. But if you've not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, then this is your future. You'll miss out on the rapture. You will be left here to experience these seven years of horrific cataclysmic judgment the likes of which the world has never ever known I beseech you let that define your future not this in the middle stands the cross of Jesus Christ he paid it all on the cross. I don't deserve this, and you don't deserve this. What a time. Caught up in the air with the Lord Jesus to meet up with all those who have known him from the beginning, and thus to be with him irreversibly forevermore. To be in the presence of the all-sufficient one, meaning Total, eternal satisfaction of all of our needs. No more dissatisfaction. No more holes on the inside of our lives. No more tears. No more suffering. No more, no more death. We don't deserve that. But Jesus paid the price. The ticket, if you will. Allowing us to get in on the rapture. I must tell you, this is not about religion. This is about rescue. <laughs> Would you let the Lord Jesus Christ rescue you tonight? Say, come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me, a sinner. And grant me as my future the rapture. Spare me from the outpouring of your wrath during the time of great tribulation. And then you say, thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. That means in light of his character and sufficiency. And if you pray it and mean it, you'll be with him forevermore.